You are listening to WRBH Reading Radio for the Blind. This is the Public Affairs Show. I am Carl Arredondo, former chief meteorologist of Channel 4. I now have an eye condition called retinitis pigmentosa, and I walk with a white cane. On today's episode of the Public Affairs Show, we will be talking to Kyle Maven, executive director of the Southern Eye Bank here in uh, New Orleans and the Metairie area. So we're going to be talking to him about what they do, how we can get involved, and how we can help the Southern Eye Bank, and more information about donations, not only for organs, but also to help the Eye Bank. So, uh, Kyle, I want to thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you, Carl. I really appreciate it. It's an honor to be here. Before we get started, uh, and we're going to give you a chance to get this information throughout the program, once in the beginning, in the middle, and towards the end, I would like Kyle to give the contact information for the Southern Eye Bank so you can get it now or get ready to get it down uh, later on in the program. Kyle? Yeah, thanks. So, uh, you can go to our website at the Southern iBank.org. That's the Southern iBank.org. That's .org. And our main local number is 504-891-3937. All right, Kyle, before we begin and talk about the Southern iBank, tell us a little bit about yourself, your history, where you're from, and and how you got to this uh, position where you are now. Yeah, thanks. So I'm originally from uh, the Detroit, Michigan area in a small town called Plymouth, Michigan. Born and raised up there in Michigan. Um, never lived anywhere else up until about seven years ago. Uh, moved down south into the state of Alabama. Um, I'm a former paramedic out of Detroit, so I got to see and do a lot of things that a, probably a 20-year-old probably wouldn't see uh, in the medical field, but it was a great ride. Um, and then I was approached by a former uh, employer uh, or employee uh, that offered me a job at the Michigan Eye Bank. And so um, took a job there to do one of, uh, one of the jobs as a recovery technician. So I actually was trained to do the surgical procedure to recover whole eyes and corneas for transplant. Uh, started there in my career and uh, worked at the Michigan Eye Bank for 18 years. And then uh, seven years ago, I took a job uh, up in Birmingham, Alabama, where the Alabama Eye Bank, formerly known as the Alabama Eye Bank, now Advancing Sight Network, is based out of and um, then connected with the Southern Eye Bank through some uh, management agreements, and I uh, have the honor now to be the executive director down here at the Southern Eye Bank. Okay, great. So for Alabama. Um, now, tell us exactly what does the Southern Eye Bank do? What, what is your purpose, your mission? What, what goes on there? Yeah, so we, uh, we honor donors' wishes that are, are willing and wanting to donate their eyes after they pass away. So we go ahead and do that surgical procedure and recover the corneas from the donor and then bring them back to our lab and process the tissue and prepare it and uh, get it ready to hand off to the transplanting surgeon. And then once that preparation's done, then we go ahead and hand it off, and the surgeon actually does the cornea transplant. Now, when we talked, uh, you talked about, we talked about only cornea transplants. Now, explain why it's only the cornea that can be transplanted. Yeah, so right now, corneas are the front part of the eye, and uh, the actual, the first transplant was back in the early 1900s, and they've uh, perfected it up to now the 2022, and... Um, the, it's a avascular, so there's no blood vessels or anything to the tissue itself. So it's easy to transplant. Right can go to left, left can go to right, and there's actually no age discrimination either. So you could pl- transplant a 50-year-old cornea into a 14-year-old or vice versa. Uh, and the tissue is very resilient. So once it's implanted, uh, the, the recipient body receives that very well. 
And is the cornea the only part of the eye that can be transplanted? Yeah, for right now, the front part, again, yeah, the cornea is the only part that can be transplanted, but the white part of your eye, which is a sclera, we can utilize that as well. So we'll recover that and place that in a long-term preservation media. Typically, it's ethanol. And they'll utilize that sclera for different patches of the eye and even cross over into some other areas of the body. Uh, dental work, sometimes dentists will utilize it to help patch some any grafts or anything like that, maybe in the jawline that maybe are recovering from cancer or a fracture. I found that interesting, and I didn't even know that because uh, when we talked, I told you that I had to take an eye anatomy class and dissect an eye and look at all the parts inside of the eye, but I never thought about the, the limited amount of uh, parts of the eye that can be transplanted. And I found that interesting because I didn't realize that myself, that you can't uh, transplant a lens or or the optic nerve or, or the retina because right. they just can't be transplanted. And I thought yeah. that was amazing that I didn't know that and that was educational for me to find that out. Yeah, yeah. So the, uh, the whole eye can't be transplanted yet just because they can't, uh, the medical field hasn't accomplished how to trans, uh, transplant nerves. They're getting close. I don't know if you or I will see it in our lifetime, but I think it'll happen where they'll be able to actually transplant nerves and be able to do a whole eye transplant. But I think we're down the road there for that. And I guess that makes sense because I know that a lot of our eye conditions, there's no cure right now for them. So you can't just transplant a new part of the eye to fix the poor vision or the loss of vision. So it, it makes a lot of sense, but I, I just didn't realize that until, you know, I got to research the Southern Eye Bank. Yeah. So like your condition with the RP, that's dealing with the back part of the eye, which is the retina, which is the, the posterior portion of the eye. Uh, the cornea sits in front of the eye. And so uh, there are some diseases that will cause blindness, and that's due to the cornea. Uh, if it's a cornea blindness, then we can, uh, the surgeons can then go ahead and transplant that and actually restore sight to that recipient. But you're right, the back portion, a lot of the conditions that are involving back there, unfortunately right now are not able to be transplanted and restore vision. Now, who can be a, a donor? Who, who can, uh, who's eligible to donate their eyes? Uh, explain that process. Yeah, so uh, we have an age limit somewhat. It's, uh, it's, it's a younger, so typically it's five years old. Up to 80-year-old um, can can donate, and even beyond 80, depending on what kind of donation it's going to happen. Um, and no really conditions um, will kind of rule you out. We call them rule outs. Uh, you know, types of cancer will sometimes rule you out for an organ or tissue donor. But for eye donation, the only kind of cancer would be a leukemia or a lymphoma. Uh, we're unable to transplant that if there's a known disease there. But any other conditions, uh, we can pretty much discern that they're still suitable for eye donation. Yeah, I found that amazing, too, because someone like me with an eye condition, I can still donate my eyes because there's other part of my eyes that can be used for you know, the cornea or research. Right. Yeah. Research is a great point to be made as well, uh, especially with your disease RP. They're still trying to figure out really what that is and what causes it. And so there's actually um, a foundation based out of the Cleveland Clinic up in Ohio that does specific research on RP. And um, when we do come across donors that have um, diagnosed uh, RP, we'll actually recover that and send it up to Cleveland Clinic so they can continue that study and develop more understanding of how they can correct that or at least stop it in an early stage. Wow. Now, 
Talk about the uh, the uh, medical staff you have there. How how large of a staff it is? Is it done at that location, or is there another location where? the procedures are done. So our iBank is located over in Metairie. Uh, we have about 17 employees. Um, we actually do the recoveries on site. So wherever the patient has passed away, uh, we will typically go to that facility in a hospital. Uh, sometimes we'll actually go to the funeral home if the funeral home allows us to come in and do the recovery there in their preparation room. Um, and then uh, the tissue then comes back into the lab there in Metairie, and that's where the processing begins as far as preparing the tissue to hand off to the surgeons. Wow. Um, now, I know we talked about the eye bank here in um, the Metairie location, but tell us about the other eye banks in Louisiana and how a lot of these eye banks do work together. Yeah. So, um, like you mentioned, there's two other eye banks uh, within the state of Louisiana. So there's one over in Baton Rouge, the Baton Rouge eye bank, great eye bank. Uh, we got a strong relationship with them. And then there's another eye bank up in the Shreveport area. And um, they are focused on doing recoveries up there and are able to honor their donor wishes up there. Um, a lot of the eye banks throughout the United States are part of an association called the eye bank association of America. And, uh, through that association, we have access to medical standards that we all want to practice uh, by, but then also uh, have connection to other I-Banks. So we, there's about 72 I-Banks throughout the United States. Louisiana's a little unique in the fact that there's three I-Banks here in the state. Uh, the state of Alabama only has one I-Bank, so that I-Bank covers the whole state. Mississippi is another example that has only one I-Bank. Uh, the state of California has multiple eye banks. It's a larger state. Uh, their population is a little bit more dense, so they have multiple eye banks to help accommodate those donors' wishes as well. Are all these eye banks in the United States able to communicate, or is there a, a registry that they're all connected to, or is is there a national registry? Yeah, there is a national registry. So it's the uh, Donate Life America registry, and you can search that on the website, and it'll bring you to their website. And you can actually register on the national registry in there. But then there are also some local statewide registries that you can uh, register as well. So like if you go to get renew your license or if you're a new driver and you go to get your license, you have the option to check if you want to be an organ donor or not. And that puts you into that registry. So then when someone does pass away, we have access to that registry and we can check to see if you are a registered donor. And that kind of helps us as the iBank when we're approaching family for donation how we kind of navigate those those waters to approach. If we know it's a registered donor, uh, it's a little easier conversation to speak to the loved ones to say your loved one was a registered donor, they chose to be a donor. We want to make sure we honor those wishes. Versus if they weren't, we then have to kind of step a little softer and explain the donation process, what the benefits of a donation would be, and to answer any of the questions of the next of kin before we actually get consent to do that procedure. Okay. At this point, I'm going to let everyone have a chance to get your pencil and paper or get someone to write down the information because we're going to give out the contact information for Southern iBank again to give you another opportunity. Kyle? So it's the southerniBank.org. Again, southerniBank.org. And our office number is 504-891-3937. Kyle, how can the general public, somebody listening, how can they help the Southern Eye Bank? What can they do to help um, the mission of the Southern Eye Bank? Yeah, I, th I think the first thing you can do is just go to the website and learn a little bit more about eye donation and who we are and what we do in the, in the community. Uh, there's opportunities there to donate if they want to financially. 
Um, I would encourage you to go ahead and sign up as a donor as well on the uh, on the website. Um, and then more importantly is to communicate that to friends and family and loved ones to let them know, hey, I registered as a donor. That way it's not um, misunderstood or there's question of, oh, I'm not sure if, they donate, if they're a registered donor or not. If you're sharing that de- decision with others, then it's more supportive when that, d- that time does come. Now, I know for someone to donate a loved one's eyes, you know, it's a tragic time and, lo- you know, there's experience and loss. How do you all help with that, that loss, that tragedy? Are counselors, uh, people that talk to them? Yeah, so we have, um, we have specialized, trained, we've referred to them as referral coordinators. They're the ones that are actually approaching the family. Uh, so we get a call from the hospital, uh, the facility that the patient died at, and we get very limited information, uh, and then we're able to contact the family at that point. Uh, our staff are very well trained and very knowledgeable in the eye bank and the recovery process and the distribution process of that tissue. So we try to answer any of the whys or the whats ahead of time. Um, it's a little difficult. You can imagine trying to make somewhat of a quote unquote air quotes uh, cold call to a family, you know, during one of their darkest times in their lives. But yet we try to portray and give them a little bit of hope to say, we're sorry for your loss, but if you consider donating your loved one's eyes, you're going to be able to provide the gift of sight to two people. And if they donate for research, we're talking thousands that could potentially be beneficial from that one donation because there's so much that can be involved in the research and the studies. But definitely on the transplant side, two people uh, within within two to three days of from when that loved one passed away, they're going to be able to see and they're, that donor's honor, they're going to honor that donor by giving that cornea and living on a little way longer. Now, I just thought of something as we we're talking about this, the donation process. Now, you know, people can register to donate their eyes, but what if somebody just is a general donor of organs? Do you all, how do you all approach that or how's that done, you know, when it's just typically just a general reference of organs? Yeah, so there's a uh, organ procurement organization located here in Louisiana. They're, they're LOPA, we refer to them as. It's Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency. They do a great uh, they do a great job. They're the ones that actually receive the initial call. So they're the ones looking at the at the information that's being received and they're the ones categorizing or identifying if it's going to be an organ donor, a bone and tissue donor or an eye donor. If it's an organ, if they're a potential organ donor and a tissue donor, they're the ones that are going to kind of take the lead and, and speak with families and coordinate all that and then bring the eye bank in to uh, help with the eye recovery. Uh, so they're the ones that are doing the the front end as far as organ and tissue donation. Um, and so if that person is an organ donor, they can also be an eye and tissue donor. Uh, sometimes they'll approach the family if they're not on the registry. They'll approach the family for specific tissues and organs. And um, 99% of the time, LOPA is already asking for those eyes as well, just because that's such a that's yet another opportunity to pass on the donor's wishes. Okay, that's that's interesting. I just thought of that as we were talking. Um, you mentioned that uh, people can donate financially. Uh, do you all have fundraisers as well that people can, you know help by you know you with your fundraisers yeah so our biggest event is gift of sight and it's actually being hosted this year in september and it's going to be at the children's museum here in new orleans 
and uh, there's opportunity there to meet uh, donor families, but also meet recipients. But then uh, we also set up um, some booths and stuff just for family-oriented events that they can do some face painting and 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 create some fun things for the kids. Uh, we provide meals uh, for everybody that attends. Um, it is a cost to attend, but that that financial cost goes towards our operations, our bottom line. And I saw that you can find that on the website too uh, under fundraisers. So. Uh, a list of what they have going, and that information is there if you want to go and, and get more information on that fundraiser coming up uh, later this year. Um, another thing we talked about, which I really was, you know, uh, I really loved to hear was your mentorship, your internship program. Uh, talk about that because I really love that part of it too. Yeah, so we have, uh, we work really close with Tulane and Ashner and LSU. Uh, so Tulane will send over their residents once they identify who the residents are going to be in the ophthalmology uh, field. And they'll actually bring them over to the iBank. And we have the opportunity to meet the residents the like day one of their residency, their four-year residency. So they're getting exposed to what we actually do in the iBank. iBanking is very unique part of the um, medical field. And so they get exposure to who we are, what we do, and our mission and our passion. And so it kind of gives them an opportunity to maybe set their course of where they want to do their final practice in medicine. It could be cornea. It could be eyes, specifically glaucoma or something like that. Uh, so we have that opportunity. Then we also work with local uh, surgical tech um, uh education programs where we will go in and do some education on eye banking and how to approach families and things like that, but then also bring those uh, surgical techs into our lab and give them opportunities to see how we actually perform the surgical procedure and maybe get some instruments in their hands just so they can feel the difference of the instruments they may use for a knee replacement versus what the instruments they would use to do an eye recovery. It's a lot more delicate. Uh, so again, it gives them that knowledge and also gives them some resource. If they ever do decide to go into eye banking, they now have exposure to that and they can come back to us. So, and again, coming back to you, have you had some of your interns become employed by uh, any one of the iBanks? Yeah, we have. Um, so we've had a, a few in the past that have actually come back to us and worked with us for a few years and then actually uh, went on to become physicians. We actually have a current employee right now that's looking to get into an MD program. So they're using us as uh, just a foundation to learn about medical field, how to review medical charts, but then also the surgical procedure. And then we're able to take that knowledge. And as they pr progress into the medical field, it's giving them that exposure that maybe some others wouldn't have if they're just jumping right from college into a med program. I think that's wonderful because I, I truly believe in, in mentoring and helping and passing on the knowledge to the younger generation, the people coming up, because that's so important to get your hands-on experience. And I've always appreciated any time I had a chance to intern, whether it was weather or orientation mobility, whether it's trying to become a CrossFit coach or whatever it is, you know, that that is so important for the younger generation to understand that. And I really applaud you guys for that. Yeah, thank you. We recognize that as well. We really feel mentoring is maybe kind of a lost art, I think, in some of the younger generation, they're not giving that opportunity to be poured into uh, so they can help them further as they get into their adult life, that they're learning some skills or even just learning, getting, gaining that knowledge in the medical field that maybe they wouldn't have if they didn't have that opportunity with us. 
Now, you guys, um, you know, work on donations financially. Do you all have grants, or uh, what else uh, helps to keep the Southern Eye Bank going? Yeah, we do. We'll receive grants uh, once in a while if we apply for them. Um, there's also the Southern Eye Bank Foundation that helps fund some of our operational costs. Uh, but then there's also um, we we recoup some some of the costs that we have to spend up front. Um, we pass that along to the um, transplanting surgeon, which then is covered under the medical insurance, either Medicare, Medicaid, or even a private insurance. Uh, that cost is covered, and then some of that comes back to us to, again to help cover our cost, our upfront cost. Now, coming from up north, do you miss those winters? <laughs> I do not. When I first moved down, I did, but now I don't. I really enjoy being down here um, in the warmer weather. The humidity, I don't mind. I don't like, but you know, it's part of what we have to deal with down south, right? <laughs> and I know living here in the south, especially you know, you living in the SEC, you've got you know, college football is a, a big deal, and that's for sure. Being in Alabama and Louisiana, big college football following right. so it's it's fun to be in the south isn't it it is it is it's totally different than the big 10 the sec is definitely more serious and probably are better football players in the big 10 <laughs> well <laughs> it, it, it's good but like i said i mean i appreciate you know the work that you're doing there and what the southern eye bank does i, I appreciate the, the time to get to know what the southern eye bank does and i'm more knowledgeable about it and thanks to your information here i'm sure some of our listeners are more knowledgeable and hopefully they'll be able to reach out to you and help financially or have questions or maybe want to become a donor. So give your information out again, if you would. Yeah, thanks, Carl. So it's uh, southerneyebank.org. That's the southerneyebank.org. And the local number is 504-891-3937. All right, Kyle, before I let you go, I usually ask my guests four questions, totally off the cuff, you know, so these are four questions I usually ask because the listeners get a chance to know who you are, not, not just as an executive director of a very uh, great organization, but just to get to know who you are. So my first question to you is, what is your favorite movie and why? Wow. I would probably have to say the Star Wars series. Uh, probably not one in particular. And the reason why is it just, it gives so much um, contrast of good against evil and how uh, they can rely on an inner source or the force to really direct them in the in their right path. And I really strongly believe in, in sensing that right path and heading down that path. Okay. You do sound like a Star Wars fan. <laughs> uh, and now there's so much on Disney Plus, you can get your fair share of, you know, Star Wars. Right, right. Okay, um, I'm more of a Star Trek fan than Star Wars, but I do like Star Wars. Um, what is your favorite type of music or genre or artist? So, uh, I am, I'm a very eclectic, I, I listen to everything, but I probably would have to say Big Band and Frank Sinatra. It's just, it has, it has that soul to it. There are a lot of the, some of the music, uh, recent music isn't there. And, um, it just it has nice smooth tones to it, so I would have to say big band is probably my favorite genre. Wow, that surprised me because that is good music, and I just don't usually ever get that as somebody's favorite genre. Sure. So, when you're not working, when you need to unwind, what what do you do to relax? What's your go-to relaxation activity? Yeah, great question. I love to be out in the woods, so I do uh, when I can get an opportunity. I'll, I'll throw on a backpack and and uh, a change of clothes and a tent or a hammock and just head out in the woods and just hang out in the woods and just kind of be still and listen. 
Uh, but just the smell of nature and clean air, just it, to me, doesn't get any better than that. And there's a lot of that in Alabama, too. I know I've been to central and northern Alabama, and it, it's, it's pretty country. It is. It's very beautiful, yeah. Yeah. So uh, the last question is, what is still on your bucket list? What is something you still want to do or a place you want to go to? Wow. Hmm. I've done so much. I've just been blessed with so many opportunities to travel and everything. Probably go to Ireland. I yet have to been go to, to go to Ireland. Um, I've been over close to it. Uh, just to go see the rolling hills and, and experience just the local community, uh, I think would be a great opportunity there. Awesome. That's great. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like asking those questions. I want people to get to know you as a person and not just somebody as a, uh, you know, in charge of a, a great organization. And I appreciate that. So once again, let's give that information out one more time if we can. Sure. It is southerneyebank.org. And the local number is 504-891-3937. And as you mentioned, anybody can be a, a donor of your eyes. Anybody can help donate financially. And anybody can help with the fundraisers and go and enjoy some events that you all put on there. So uh, I certainly encourage everyone to uh, take a look at the website or have somebody look for you if you're not able to uh, see uh, once again, thank you to Kyle Maven, Executive Director of the Southern Eye Bank here in uh, Metairie. Thank you so much for letting me come on the show, Carl. I was looking forward to it, and it's been a great pleasure. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. You have been listening to the Public Affairs Show on WRBH Reading Radio for the Blind. Thank you for listening. I am Carla Redondo. Have a great day. <laughs>